Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, hello, Michael. Welcome to our Emmy Screen Talk nominations edition. I am looking to Michael to explain some of the strange <laughs> things that happened. I mean, I suppose there was an overall positive in some ways. They did bring in a lot of new people. You know, some of the familiar faces didn't all show up. But right. um, I, I think I, I learned a lot about how the Emmy voters think this time watching this they're very different from the oscar voters yeah well you know first off uh, to me there was a lot less to, to gripe about this time which is you know I, I guess that's great i love to gripe so what would you gripe <laughs> about let's say so starting off with what i would gripe about um you know i think first off Let's look at the talk show category because that happened to be the last uh, episode of uh, Screen Talk Emmys edition that we discussed. And we were pretty confident that Samantha B would get I in there. I was a little disappointed to not see Samantha B there. My only guess is she's still too new to this whole process. Well, that's what I learned. Yeah. I learned that there's a certain, it takes time it sometimes. Does. It does, especially. Uh, you know, in, in some ways, this is a marathon. These are, you know, most television shows that go the distance that are Emmy worthy uh, are on for four, five, six, seven years. So there's time, there's opportunity for a show to be recognized, even if it's not immediately. But James Corden got in. Yeah, but James Corden has been hosting his show a little longer than Samantha Bee and is on a broadcast network, so he's got a lot more exposure, got a lot more money behind him. And just it's it's a nightly show. It's on five nights a week. Samantha Bee's only on once a week. So I can kind of see the difference between the two. John Oliver got in. John Oliver got in, but he's also been on for a couple of years now. So... And he's a favorite, uh, you know, just because his show came on and immediately just made so much noise. Um, but again, that's why Samantha B. I thought for sure was going to get it too. Comedians in cars getting coffee. What a spoiler. What a strange choice for that category. But, and yet it reveals that the Academy voters, many of whom are older white males, Still, find yeah. Jerry Seinfeld to be irresistible. <laughs> he's been around a yeah. long time. He's a famous guy. Yeah, yeah. He's just one of those guys where you see his name and he's automatically going to be nominated. He's, but aren't those shows like really short? Yeah, which is why for the longest time that show actually fell in the short form category. So I suppose the episodes have gotten longer and, and so they managed to sneak it into the talk show category, Variety Talk. That's uh, What's interesting about the Emmys is there are 113 categories. So there's a lot of variation, uh, even category to category, what's acceptable, what's not. Uh, the perfect example, and we're kind of going all over the map we right are. now, so why I apologize. Not? We're going to free associate. Yeah, so to really free associate associate is Horace and Pete, uh, which of course Louis C.K.'s homegrown, homemade uh, uh, dramatic series, but multi-camera. Uh, it was nominated in the guest actress category for Laurie Metcalf as a drama. 
But for cinematography, it actually was nominated in a multi-camera comedy category. So it got two nominations, one in comedy, one in drama. Seems weird, right? But it comes down to every category has its own uh, rules and regulations on, on what's uh, what, what what can be submitted. So well, the rules changed so that trans was it was it um, uh, the movie that uh, listen to me I say, still say movie <laughs> the series that didn't get in this time was Orange is the New Black. Right, right, and that's a show that originally uh, when when it first uh, was was in Emmy consideration back uh, when, when it launched was in the comedy category, but then the TV Academy changed its rules so that if you're an hour-long program, you are a drama unless you petition otherwise. If you're a half-hour show, you are a comedy unless you petition otherwise. Did anyone petition otherwise? Orange is the New Black petitioned last year and was denied, which is why it's now a drama. Transparent also is a half-hour, but because... Half hours are automatically considered comedies unless they petition otherwise. Transparent can go in the comedy category. And you could argue, well, Transparent's just as dramatic as Orange is the New Black. Yeah, but it's a half hour. Orange is the New Black just as comedic as Transparent. Yeah, but it's an hour. So, so it got it. Both of the Orange is the New Black definitely got hurt in that so, situation. And Transparent came out fine. Yeah, yeah because there's still a little less uh, competition in the comedy category than a drama, although that's changing. Uh, but so uh, it's not a perfect system and it's never going to be a perfect system because so many TV shows now, they just defy character uh, classification. Uh, you know, so many dramatic shows are funny. So many comedies are dramatic. We live in a dramedy era. So what's, you know, what's black? What's white? I don't know. Everything's gray. Well, we were talking about some of the outliers that were on the cusp that might or might not break break through. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to me that Outlander only broke through in the crafts, really. Yeah, and you know what's what's interesting is poor stars. You know that that premium cable network, which is you know spending a lot of money and, and really starting to make some noise as a competitor to Showtime and HBO, just can't get any uh, awards love. And and you know that's that's especially got to be tough, I imagine, for Chris Albrecht, who you know back in the day at HBO was kind of invented this whole thing. Yeah, he he was at the dawn of HBO being an awards machine. And created this whole world, and now it's he's he's struggling at stars to get that kind of love. Well, it sounds like there's some label um, cred that needs to be built up, and that there's a bit of a uh, a lag time there too. Yeah, yeah, like so, the CW. Right, exactly. CW. Well, you know, WB UPN back in the day never got much love either, and and so CW continues that. It's a younger skewing network, and let's face it, the Academy has gone a long way toward bringing in a lot more younger members, and the fact that voting is now all online has helped with more younger people participating. But nonetheless, the TV Academy still has a lot of older members just go to any for your consideration event clearly you know but they're so, younger than they look younger than the academy i would suggest than the well yeah. it is a wider more I diverse be- yeah. group absolutely absolutely um you know tv academy is still you know far ahead of the game and, and as we've talked and about we have the diversity that yeah. they did manage to we're, we are jumping all over the place <laughs> but, all right we were i we will get there yeah uh, i want to go back though to um the other the other uh Mr. Robot would be the example of what you're talking about in terms of a, a new show that did break in that has younger viewers, and so yeah. would Master 
of none, both of which apply to the diversity element well, as well. This is where things are starting to change, and it's exciting to see because now that you know voting, it's so much easier to vote than it ever was before for, for the Emmys, and so a lot more younger people are, are voting, and people are paying attention more to prestige TV, and that's why Mr. Robot gets in on its fir- in its first year, and the Americans finally get the nominations. Four, right? Yeah. Finally, in its fourth season, gets some real love and real love too. I mean, suddenly all around the TV love. Academy went from not zero to yeah, sixty. Yeah, not knowing that show existed, to giving some real love to not only the show but Matthew Reese and Carrie Russell. So, how do you account for that? What 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 did they do right? They they paid. They spent more money. They did more uh, av- advertising. They yeah. did more uh, publicity. The critics liked it. I l- actually looked it up. I have to tell you something. I looked it up. It got better reviews with each succeeding season and this season the review on metacritic was like 95 percent yeah yeah well i think i think it's a combination of things i I think also it helped that a number of uh, prestige shows went away mad men is no longer eligible this year so there was room for a show that might have been bubbling under for all we know you know americans was you know in eighth position or ninth position and just needed to move a couple of shows out of the way to finally get get up there. I feel like something happened in the perception of the Americans that it moved from something that was slightly mainstreamy and populist and just a spy show. It moved into having some kind of of grittier, more um, um, dramatic and and, and respected profile. The debate will forever wage on on how much critics have an impact on this. In this case, I suspect that they did. I think the critics, this is where the, it wasn't just critics, it was the media in general. And every year, all of us would write the biggest snub in all of Emmydom was the Americans. Americans, Americans, Americans. Real drumbeat. So I think FX took advantage of that. I think uh, people continued to write those stories. And, And so voters actually did pay attention. And enough voters knew, oh, this is a show we've been sleeping on let's let's finally go for it i think the critics and other critics groups also helped mr robot yeah yeah absolutely and that's the case of you know this time around people didn't want to sleep on it and mr robot happened to also come be coming back right around the time that the noise was you know very loud very smart yeah yeah and of course game of thrones didn't miss a trick on that front either no i mean game of thrones is just a juggernaut at this point so that's just a monster that's you know what's interesting about game of thrones is that you know that kind of show generally has been avoided by uh, academy voters i mean look at poor walking dead walking dead's actually bigger than game of thrones when it comes to viewership strictly genre and pop culture dumb but it is so genre I mean, you could argue Game of Thrones is very genre as well, but it's still... It's more acceptable to be... Because it has this sort of historical fiction kind of element to it. Yeah, it's a little more accessible and not quite as gory, although, you know, it can be gory in its own right, too. So... That's 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 a they tough somehow one. made Game of Thrones more prestigious in the end. It just is. Yeah, yeah. And it's just extraordinarily produced and acted, and, and you know, there's nothing to complain about. And they the writers took over this year from George R. R. Martin, and they actually delivered a great season. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, and, and again, Game of Thrones happened to be on TV right when people were voting, so it's top of mind. And The Walking Dead wasn't, so that doesn't help either. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Better Call Saul, on the other hand, also on the air, uh, or just finishing its run not long before voting. So, you know. They're getting adept at this. Yeah. No, the, so one of the things that I was also noting, you know, Game of Thrones, with, with the freedom that they had this time, went wild with 
really strong women characters, real warriors, you know, and, and villains too. Cersei is one of the most powerful women we've ever seen, even if she doesn't ever pick up a sword. Um, uh, she's got, what is the name of that guy in the mask? She's got the Iron Man behind her, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have uh, the Americans, very strong women characters uh, across the, across the, the, the uh, you've got Homeland, very strong women characters. Absolutely. Hey, even People versus O.J. Simpson. I mean, Sarah Paulson as Marsha Clark. I mean, Stood come on. Stood up to the media. Yeah. Stood up to, to everybody. You know, and, and got, you know, Sarah Paulson uh, nominated for both uh, that and American Horror Story Hotel. So she's, you know, obviously in it. Uh, you know, some fantastic, uh, you know, folks who got multiple nominations. Uh, Lori Metcalf, as I mentioned before, you know, that's someone who we still remember from Roseanne back in the day and has continued to be a great character actress through the years. Hasn't really had... You know, a big, uh, you know, huge show of her own, um, you know, getting on. And, you know, she's, she's done some great stuff, but nominated for Big Bang Theory, uh, nominated for Horace and Pete, and, of course, for Getting On. So that's an actress that the Academy really loves. Definitely. And, and you know, just if you go against, you know, some of the, the uh, comparisons, again, with the Oscars, um, you know, they they actually had like 21% of the uh, 16 acting categories for long form Emmys, uh, you know, were people of color. So they, they totally came through on the nominations here. And you even had some directors getting in, people like Leslie Linka-Gladder for Homeland, um, you know, got, got a nomination. Yeah. And of course, in the limited series, uh, you had um, uh, the, the great Danish director, Susanna Beer, coming in for uh, The Perfect Spy. What, what, what am I calling it? It's, is it? For the, for the Night Manager? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> John Le Carre. I, I like The Perfect Spy, too, though. <laughs> Uh, talking about let's let's move to networks real quick because you, you know, got it. we've been talking a little bit about uh, HBO and, and uh, the, the rest but um, you know HBO still dominates uh, you know less than last year you know last year they had uh, an, an exceptional year last year they had 126 nominations this year they're back to earth with 94 which is still more, way ahead of still everyone way ahead else. of everyone else and more in line with you know the year before in 2014 they had 99 so don't cry for HBO they're still right on par with where they've been for the most part last year was kind of an outlier a little bit but FX let's let's tip our hat to FX you know we we're talking again about how they've really mastered these campaigns now as well and getting the Americans on the board was great news for them. But, wasn't the Americans right behind Game of Thrones? Well, no. The one-two punch for them was People versus OJ, which was right behind Game of Thrones, followed by Fargo, which was so they got the number Those two great and shows. number three categories. Um, so FX got 56 nominations this year, up from 38 last year. That's the most any basic cable network has ever gotten in terms of the Emmys. So huge year for them. Uh, and then Netflix, right behind them with 54, which is, was up from 34. So Even without Orange is the New Black. Even without Orange is the New Black. And that's a volume game. You know, Netflix looking a lot like HBO. HBO manages to dominate every year because they dominate not only in series, but in long form, in documentaries. That's right. Uh, specials, uh, uh, you know, top variety talk, all these different categories. And so Netflix, with their broad scope of programming, does the same. Um, and then you have the poor broadcast networks way behind. And Not even The Good Wife in its final season, right? No, no. It's, 
you know, it's tough going for the broadcast networks these days. Honestly, if it wasn't for some of the craft categories, they'd be pretty much shut out. Or uh, comedy. And, and, you know, and comedy. But, you know, it's those craft comedy categories because they're still pretty much the only folks doing multi-camera these days. And a lot of those categories are for cinematography, lighting, and things on a multi-camera set. So, okay, so CBS, NBC, ABC will dominate those categories and, and that'll boost their tally. But they're not getting a lot of these, you know, you know the, the, the premier prestige categories categories it's it's tough going and and of course that always comes up when uh, the the Emmy telecast rights come up because you know it's still the four broadcast networks that air this thing every year which is basically a nice advertisement for every kind of programming except, except for what's the on the broadcast networks and they're paying you know 10 million dollars a year to air this thing and and wondering why why but you know it is what it is so what were the big snubs then, if we were to go back to, to the uh, top of the show? Uh, what got left out that really shouldn't have or that surprised you the most? Uh, you know, I was surprised by Orange is the New Black, honestly, because, you know, it goes to the heart of what we're talking about, which is once you're in, you're always in. And you figure, you know, the, the Emmy voters are notorious for rewarding the same shows and stars year after year. Um, so for that show to get virtually no love, including uh, uh, Uzo Aduba, who, you know, is an Emmy favorite. She could do no wrong. One, two years well, in a row. But you explained that there was a change that accounted for it on some level. Well, but that change happened a year ago, and they did fine last year. So, so how the, you know, why that happened this year, I don't know. Um, you mentioned uh, uh, Samantha B, so that was a big snub. Another big snub in that category, no Stephen Colbert. Right. Now, I know people have been sort of trashing the new Colbert show, but if you watch it, and uh, I, you know, we're taping this the day after the first day of the Republican National Convention. No, he Convention. was great. John Stewart came back. Yeah. yeah, and he brought back his old persona. But, but Colbert is still a force, and he's still someone who the Academy loves. So I was a little surprised that they didn't find room for him. I mean, but the bigger snub there is the fact that Comedy Central, which has had a nominee in that category, Variety Talk, or beforehand it was just Variety Series, um, since the year 2000, didn't have a show there this year. No Daily Show and, no of course, Trevor. no Nightly Show either. Uh, you know, Once Upon a Time, Daily Show and Colbert were there every year. And one of those two shows have won every year since the year 2003. So we're going to have the first new winner in that category since then and the first network to pick up that award since 2003. So that's going to be an interesting race as well. Well, it's interesting to see Jon Stewart coming back thanks to the Republican convention. Of course, the comedians are going wild with uh, the Republican convention. They're all, everybody's covering it except Conan is going to Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah. so it's smart. Uh, and I just talked to Conan, actually. Uh, I'm doing a story for tomorrow. Uh, it's it's actually smart of him because while everyone else is in Cleveland, uh, you know, there's, there's room for, you know, maybe you just don't want to deal with the craziness coming out of Cleveland and you want some fun and you want to, you know, see some superstars, uh, you know, having a blast. And that's what Conan's going to be doing. Yeah, uh, he went San last Diego. year. Yeah, 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 he had a good time. Let me ask you about this this thing with with the lag the lag syndrome. Yeah. Because what really struck me this time was that there were a number. Of, I happen to have watched a lot more this year. I watched more series in their completeness, um, and and I I I when I was looking at Gold Derby and I was looking at some of the picks, I was going, why are they picking some of these people? They had big, you know, they had big seasons 
a year ago or two years ago or three you know this isn't their big season like Ben Mendelsohn on Bloodline was great in season one he was totally dominating he totally deserved to be nominated and then in this one I thought well he's hardly there you know he's really not there this time Michael Kelly his arc was last year on House of Cards this year he was back to doing what he always did sort of serving the king you know uh, Frank Underwood the president um and you know his big you know when he was battling his addiction and fighting to get back and all this juicy acting that he was doing it was last time but people get nominated for the whole thing obviously yeah it's it's almost body of work kind of thing because once people sort of have in their mind oh this this the star this show has some gravitas then it doesn't matter what they did the final season you know a lot of people the i think the deep dark secret is a lot of people are still voting without actually watching you know they're voting because they know, oh, this is a great actor, or this is a great show. Maybe they're behind. Maybe they're behind a couple seasons. Maybe they watched it at one point, stopped watching, but they're voting because they know this is someone who deserves the award. And then as a result, you get a lot of nominees who, you're right, had better better seasons in years past, but it doesn't matter. It's you know so, someone who they know and they love. Yeah, I mean, someone like Allison Janney can do no wrong. I mean, she's been nominated, like, you know, incredible number of times. And she's won, you know, many times. She's already won for Masters of Sex, the the, the role of the, the woman who's married to a, a closeted gay man. And, and she... She's had six Emmy wins out of ten nominations. She was hardly in it this season. Yeah. Hardly in it at all. Well, that's why they've had to change the rules over the years because uh, you've had a couple of cases where, you know, stars have submitted themselves even though they were on for a split second, but they, they nominated themselves in supporting actor categories or even in guest star categories when they really weren't on long enough to, to be worthy of it. And then they get nominated because they're a big name that people love. So, you know, they've, they've had to sort of instill more specific rules on the amount of time, how many episodes you were on something, uh, the amount of time, screen time you had in order to be eligible. Well, um, they have the category of guest actor. Yeah. Outstanding guest actor. So Reg Cathy, literally for House of Cards, is getting nominated for one scene, episode yeah. 50, where he blows up against the president. And Mahershala Ali and Molly Parker are basically getting nominated for the whole season again. I mean, for for all the seasons. Right, because it worked out that they were in the show less than fifty percent of the times. So they can, you know, go and go in the guest category. So it's, again, not a perfect system, <laughs> but they're trying. And the good news about the TV Academy is they're willing to constantly tweak this formula. Yeah, they're no, they're not precious about changing things up and. That's why every year you see so many rules changes as they learn from their mistakes and then they fix it and they do different things. So, so yeah. <laughs> You're speechless, Anne. I am speechless. Um, what else have we have we not mentioned that uh, needs I'm to be mentioned? Trying to think any more snubs. Uh, you mentioned Good Wife and Juliana Margulies. That's a little surprising, uh, but. You know, sometimes a show in its final season will get a ton of love. Sometimes it kind of just fades away. And for whatever reason, uh, The Good Wife faded away from from uh, Emmy consideration this year. Oh, another another one that, you know, we were hoping for. I think it was a long shot from the beginning. But, you know, it would have been nice to see is, you know, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend or Rachel Bloom. Well, they got into something. the crafts, basically. So, yeah, but, but no, you know, I think the CW folks were Songs. really hoping maybe – Rachel Bloom would be the person to finally put them on the map. I mean, if anyone was going to, just because she's so multi-talented. But 
it's you know it's it's just probably too small a show. It was one of the least watched shows on on in broadcast TV last year. To, to get anything big. Yeah, it was a, a passionate but small uh, fan base. Um, all right, well, I think we've kind of uh, got it got it wrapped up pretty pretty succinctly. Um, so going forward, we're going to start digging into who's going to win in these different categories. Yeah. And uh, and we will uh, have to figure out how to get all of them covered. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll tackle a couple each episode, and we'll, we'll go through and do our odds, and uh, it'll be fun. And, uh, you know, we'll also pick the ones that if they do win, we'll burn that mother down. All right. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Anne. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.